Wouldn't you know it, December has arrived, and whether you're decorating your house for Christmas, doing some shopping, or just lounging by the fire, we're just glad you're here, because we're going to teach you a thing or two about Kentucky today. Well, we always try to do that, but especially this time, since we have, as a special guest, a gentleman that I would call a walking Kentucky encyclopedia. His name is Byron Crawford, and you've probably heard his name from Kentucky Living Magazine, if not that, the Louisville Courier-Journal, and also maybe as the first host of KET's ever-popular Kentucky Life program. Byron has had a well-rounded background, and he's traveled to literally every corner of the Commonwealth. So we'll hear about his career, we'll hear about his travels, and we will find out where in Kentucky Byron would like to live if he had to relocate somewhere in the state in which he has never lived. So, buckle up, because here comes Blabbing in the Bluegrass, Episode 8 of Season 4. Man, time flies. Kentucky features so much more than basketball and horses. We're home to scenic spectacles and one-of-a-kind golf courses. If boating, fishing, dining, or music is your pleasure, we'll guide you to the sights and sounds that you will truly treasure. Cause we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste. From Eddieville to E-Town, Irvin to Eminence, yep, Byron Crawford's been there, and we've got you covered in those places and beyond, right here and only here on Blabbing in the Bluegrass as we faithfully explore and celebrate all things Kentucky. I'm Sam Moore here at the lovable and luxurious North Quail Motel in beautiful Henderson, KY. And when I think of that old song by Hank Snow, I've been everywhere, which is way before my time, but I still know it and love it. I think of our special guest today, at least I have since he and I started getting to know each other, because that song really does suit Byron Crawford to a T, at least when it comes to Kentucky, because Byron Crawford literally has been everywhere throughout the bluegrass. He has spent years perusing the highways and byways, uncovering people, places, and topics that we may not have been exposed to otherwise. And he has done this as a broadcaster. He has done this as a journalist. So he's got plenty of experience to speak from, more than enough stories to tell, and we're going to rack his brain momentarily. But before we do, I want to remind you that I am just an email away, and I encourage, strongly encourage your questions, comments about the show, suggestions for future guests, topics, as long as it's Kentucky-centered, I am open-minded to it. Bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com, B-L-U-E-G-R-A-S-S-B-L-A-B-B-I-N at gmail.com. You can also get in touch with me through the Blabbing in the Bluegrass Facebook page, which you certainly need to like and follow because all of my previous episodes are there. You can catch those that you may have missed or just want to hear again because of the guests 
or you can uh, stay up to date with additional information and teasers on future programs as they are presented, plus make comments and leave messages. And don't forget about the four podcast directories, which we are currently part of. You can listen and subscribe to Blabbing in the Bluegrass without one thin dime via Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Verbal. And we're constantly looking to add to those, and we'll keep you posted as we do. But for now, we are a part of those four podcast directories, of course, the Facebook page, so absolutely no excuse for you to miss a single second of this show, for my sake, of course, because it wouldn't be the same without you. So, Byron Crawford is chomping at the bit to talk, but first I have another Bluegrass Brain Buster hot off the press for you. We try to do these on a weekly basis. We'll give you the question now, we will give you the answer at the conclusion of the program. So, whether you realize it or not, our nation's oldest vice president was born in Kentucky. Who was he, and where was he born? Again, whether you realize it or not, our nation's oldest vice president in history was born in Kentucky. Who was he, and where was he born? You ponder that, get the juices flowing, we will have the answer in the program's final segment. Best of luck, because I get a feeling most of you are going to need it. Sam Moore proudly presents his Commonwealth Crowd Pleaser. Well, our special guest is a name that you've undoubtedly heard, and you may have heard it from a number of different places. You may know him as the uh, back page columnist on uh, Kentucky Living Magazine, which is his current post. You may remember his days at the Kentucky Courier-Journal, Louisville Courier-Journal, I should say, where he was the um, Kentucky columnist. Also, from his five seasons of hosting Kentucky Life on Kentucky Educational Television, a.k.a. K-E-T, and he has kindly agreed to join us and share with us a bit about his background and fascinating career, and most importantly, his travels all throughout this great state of Kentucky. So let's make welcome direct via Zoom from Shelby County, Kentucky, Mr. Byron Crawford. <laughs> what a great buildup. <laughs> well, well I, I do what I can, sir. I do what I can. We're sure glad you're here. And uh, of course, you've, uh, you've called Shelby County home for quite a while now. How long have you lived there? We moved to Shelby County from uh, suburban Louisville about 1977. And okay. uh, of, course, uh, of course, I grew up down in central Kentucky. Uh, right, Lincoln County. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you've, uh, you're a, a Shelby County, and now I think it's safe to say I've got a second cousin that lives in Baghdad, Kentucky, which is right there close to you. <laughs> well, that's where we moved to. When we came to Shelby County, we moved to Baghdad. Oh, so you're in uh, Baghdad. We love what... Uh, the, the man who operated the BNN market, that was one of two little stores in town. He had a great slogan. He said, welcome to Baghdad. We may not have what you want, but you can double park to look for it. <laughs> you can double park to look for it. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> That's what sets Baghdad apart from, from other places. Now, our, uh, our, our children love Baghdad. We lived in an old farmhouse, two-story farmhouse with a, a metal roof and they love to hear the rain falling on that roof 
And even though they scattered all over the country for a while, uh, one of them still lives in Salt Lake City, but when they came home, they always drove out there to see how the old house was doing and to remember. And the last time they drove out to look at it, it was gone. So I think, oh. it, I think they had a fire. So, but that was a great place. We lived there for about 10 years and they, it was a great place for children to grow up. We had a barn and we had uh, two or three cows and, and uh, the basketball goal in the barn and, you know, about that? The yard and, and a uh, big porch and, and it was a great place to live. Well, the children obviously had a, a special spot in their heart for it. Now, how many, how many kiddos do you have there, Byron? We have four kids, uh, three, three sons and a daughter. All of them, of course, now uh, grown with uh, uh, children of their own. And uh, we have six grandchildren. I gotcha. Well, between the kids and the grandkids, I know. <laughs> yeah. I know you stay busy. <laughs> we do. We do. We stay busy. <laughs> Those on top of uh, your writing duties for Kentucky Living. Now, I know that you learned the arts of telling a story as a youngster growing up in rural Lincoln County. So uh, talk a little bit about those childhood experiences, Byron, which helped you to craft your masterful storytelling abilities. Well, I think that's where a lot of uh, young writers get hooked on, uh, hooked on the career. Uh, I did, I certainly never imagined that I would be a writer. What I wanted to be was in forestry some, somewhere. I, of course, oh. when I was a kid, I, I wanted to be uh, a forest ranger. I wanted to be a guy who prowled through the woods and I don't know what they do, measured trees and uh, fought forest fires. <laughs> I don't know what they did <laughs> at that time, but I had uh, I had the luxury of growing up on a farm, a family farm in central Kentucky and Lincoln County. And we were surrounded then by uh, farmers and farmers' uh, families who were really great storytellers. Uh, you know, at that time, um, television was coming when I was a, just a youngster really young, television was just coming into use. And of course, we didn't have one and most of our neighbors didn't have one. Oh, and uh -huh. didn't have telephones and we didn't have a telephone for a, a good long while. And so there was more time to sit and visit and talk. And I would listen to the older people tell stories of, about things that had happened in their families, things that had happened to them, things that were going on. And I loved the way they, they um, would tell a story and, and, and put things together. And I guess that all just kind of embedded itself in my psyche. And without knowing it, I learned from, I think, and of course I'd go to the stockyards with my dad, hear him talking to stock traders. Uh, I would overhear older women talking with my mother about uh, uh, quilting and different things and telling maybe a funny story or a sad story in the process. And at that time, children had to kind of sit and be a little bit quiet when the older people were talking. 
That can be a chore. <laughs> that could be a chore. That could be a chore, but they were made to behave and listen uh, more than they talked in those days. And that wasn't easy for me, but some of it, um, some of that storytelling rubbed off on me. My mother was an excellent storyteller and um, not, not, by that, I don't mean in a semi-professional way. She just was a good person. She could relate things well to people. She was relatable, yeah. <laughs> my dad was, and they were interesting people. They had, uh, they had, they were keen observers of people, so they could put a story into words well. And I think all of that sort of rubbed off on me. Our goal here on Blabbing in the Bluegrass is to explore and celebrate all things Kentucky, which basically mirrors your lifelong passion, I know. So what did you, or I should say, when did you first fall in love with um, the state we call home, Byron, and what sparked your curiosity about the Commonwealth? Well, I think um, I was in the third grade when uh, I read a book about Daniel Boone. The teacher had read some uh, had gotten us interested in, in Daniel Boone. Uh, they were teaching Kentucky history in the third grade at that time. And we had a big, uh, a, a big book and had a uh, sort of a drawing, a sketch of Daniel Boone on the front. And something about uh, the way Ms. Leedy uh, depicted Daniel Boone and Kentucky when he first, when Boone first saw it, made me, uh, it, it kind of grabbed my attention and affection. And um, I actually checked out a book from the library about Daniel Boone and started reading it. And I think the way the uh, landscape was described in that book um, made me realize how, how beautiful Kentucky was and some of its uh, terrain beyond what I knew about. Right. And, uh, I just kind of, uh, you used the term fell in love with Kentucky. Uh, and I would have, formally, I would have thought, well, there wasn't an exact time, although that would have come as close as any time I could think of. Of course, I'd grown up listening to um, University of Kentucky basketball. Fog Sullivan was doing the play-by-play -play when I Oh, was yeah, before Kaywood Ledford. Yeah, yeah, this was before Kaywood Ledford. And uh, then Kaywood came along. And um, I never dreamed that I'd be working with Kay Wood and going to lunch with him uh, years down the road, but I, I was. And so I, I don't know all of that. It, it all rolled into one big, uh, big ball for me at uh, loving Kentucky. I loved where I lived. Uh, I loved the way I grew up, which was pretty much roaming uh, through the woods and the uh, the countrysides and across the fields and rivers. Yeah. There was there was a creek that came that ran the full border of our farm, and then the next farm belonged to my uncle, and the next one belonged to my great aunt. So uh, I had the run of all that, plus the neighbors' big places, and so I just had um, I had a great growing up. I think that was another. There was a place I used to love to go when it was snowing and sit in, there was a big cedar thicket on a hillside above the creek. Mm. And uh, I loved to hear, it was so quiet, I could sit in those cedars and hear the snow falling on them. And um, it doesn't take too many 
trips like that, and too many of those experiences to kind of make you fall in love with a place. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> All those comforting sights and sounds of the snow and the, the creek below, it just cured what ails you, I'm sure. And I think I remember reading somewhere that um, you would sit at school and you would have a, um, a great view outside your, your window. <laughs> That's exactly uh, <laughs> right. I could look out, I, it was an English class, and I could look out at a, I could see a wood line in the distance uh, where the field stopped. And then the line fence of someone's farm came by and across that fence was just solid woodlands. And I knew the direction that went and I basically knew what lay uh, beyond that in the woods. And I would just sit and daydream and my, my grades reflect that too. <laughs> go back. But um, it, was, uh, it was a great time. Yeah, that's a, you're exactly right. That's, that's, you're right on the money with that. Yeah, uh, and you would, you would ask yourself, boy, I wonder what's beyond that point. <laughs> right, and I, my bedroom, we didn't have air conditioning then in our house. We just had screens and we'd keep the doors, you know, and windows open in the summer and have fans, you know, maybe window fans. But at night in the springtime, um, I had a door that opened outside my bedroom uh, and look toward what we call the branch. I don't know, some, some places in Western Kentucky don't have many branches, but they're small streams going into a larger creek, you know, or, or river. Sure. And the uh, tree frogs or the spring peepers uh, at that time of year were just deafening at night. So I went to sleep every night listening to those frogs uh, crank up, um, on that branch, which was about, I don't know, two or 300 yards below our house. And um, all of that, all of that went in the mix of my growing up. So those, those tree frogs and spring peepers would sing yeah, you to sleep. Spring <laughs> peeper, chorus, chorus frogs, spring peepers, you name it. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> nice lullabies there. Now a high school field trip of yours, Byron, back in the, 1960s led to your radio broadcasting debut. So uh, just out of curiosity, what do you remember most about this field trip slash broadcast and uh, what did you learn from it? Well, we had a, a new uh, radio station in our little town, the town where I grew up, uh, although I didn't grow up in town, but I went to school there was Stanford. Stanford, uh, gotcha. Stanford High School, and uh, we had it that Stanford was a town of about about 2000 at the time when I grew up there, and I doubt it, it's much more than that now, but anyway, um, we had a brand new little radio station there, I think it was just 500 watts, probably daytime, but it was a beautiful little station inside, and anyway, when they had career day at uh, the high school, I must have been a, probably a sophomore then. Uh, and you know about career days, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had those two in high school. Yeah, still, still have in places. But we didn't have a wide selection to, to choose from then. We had, I think they had someone who, uh, who came from, I don't know, maybe a, maybe a nursing school or something. Maybe they had someone come from the bank, um, you know, that, that kind of thing. 
maybe from a grocery store or some retail firm. Not very many people, and they had someone come from the radio station. I'm sure these were by invitation and coaxing mostly. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, the, the guys who came from the radio station were, um, one of them was a, a part owner of the station. And he said, uh, and they asked us what we wanted to, which class we wanted to go in. Well, I picked that because I, frankly, I like to listen to the radio. Sure. Uh, the, the favorite station of everyone in that part of the country at that time was uh, WAKY in Louisville. Oh, Black Wacky, Radio. uh-huh. Wacky Radio. It was a big, it was at 790 AM. There was no, if there was an FM then, it was just nobody used it. Right. Um, but um, I'd like to listen to that station. It was rock and roll. We call it 50s music now. <laughs> anyway, uh, I decided to go into radio class and two or three, there were several of us who went in there and Long story short, the guy who was doing the class, uh, as I say, was part owner of the station. He said, it's not far out to the station. Uh, if you all want to come out there, we can just go out there. Uh, either we went that day or the next day. And he said, you can have a look around. You, uh, you know, we'll show you what we do. So I saw all the wire service machines. I saw the board, uh, pretty gates board with red and green and you know yellow knobs on it and all that all the controls and and he said then some of you uh he says uh here's some wire copy from the associated press machine and this is where our news comes in and if somebody would like to uh try this uh let's get three or four of you to read some news here so they sat us down behind the microphone gave us some wire copy and i read it like the guys did on the radio that oh. I've been listening to. And um, he said, hey, uh, you know, you might be able to do this kind of work. And <laughs> of course, I had, even then, I had a, a, a pretty good voice, you know, probably deeper than most, most kids that age. Sure. And, uh, he said, uh, bottom line was in, in time, uh, he said, why don't you come up and just uh, kind of help us around the station, uh, clean up the wire copy, clean up the wire room and learn a little something about how we operate. You might be interested in doing this. And so I did do that um, my sophomore year and I guess, uh, or junior year, I guess I, it would have been. Right. Uh, and um, I started reading the news on the air. Uh, I even did a ball game or two and uh, Oh, a little play-by-play. Play. A little play-by-play. Play. I had one team kicking off on the 53 yard, or, or one, someone got tackled on the 53-yard line one time, uh, which, of course, doesn't exist. But uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, um, I, uh, I read the news uh, quite often on one of the afternoon shows, and then the disc jockey went on vacation. And they got me to do the, uh, the, the, the disc jockey shift. So. Oh, so you got to play a little yeah. rock and roll. <laughs> I played a little, uh, he had a, he was, a he was programming to the, to the teen, uh, crowd and I did his show. And then 
within, I think the next day or two days after that, the station up the road, 10 miles away in Danville, which was a bigger station called and, and uh, wanted to talk to me about a job and gave me a job. And there you so, go. So you worked and, your way over to Boyle County. <laughs> yeah, I became a disc jockey over there. And um, that, that set me on the course of, uh, I went on to Murray State for a while after that and studied. Sure. And uh, actually, I didn't study much. <laughs> uh, but uh, I did go to Murray State and um, I worked in radio down there for the college station. And, um, and awesome. uh, then when I came home uh, one summer, and then I worked at the Richmond station a while, and I did uh, color commentary on the Eastern Kentucky football games. And oh, I was cool. just, you know, kind of knocking around. I wasn't maybe good at anything I was doing, but I was hanging in there. <laughs> oh, don't sell yourself short. <laughs> and I had worked there long at the Richmond station before I did a uh, telephone report on a strike there, Westinghouse strike. And uh, that wacky uh, news uh, in Louisville wanted to to hear about, and uh, they hired me to be a news guy there. So How about that, so you ended up working at the station that you loved growing up. <laughs> right, right. And um, they had a they had a really really good news department in those days, um, and so I got uh, I worked there for about three years uh, before I went on to Cincinnati. After those radio stops at Waikiki and Danville, Richmond, Cincinnati, so forth, um, your exploration of Kentucky began in earnest at WHAS-TV in Louisville, where you hosted a unique travel feature known as Side Roads. So uh, if you would, sir, describe kind of the, the nature of these side roads uh segments explain how these set the tone for your uh, future travels and career path well it's kind of hard to explain uh that show because i never quite figured it out and i don't <laughs> think anybody else did either I, when i when i came back from wcky in cincinnati to work in louisville uh i never uh, I, I had never left kentucky i'd We'd lived in Northern Kentucky when I worked in Cincinnati. Right. And, um, I had covered the Court of Appeals, U.S. Court of Appeals up there, and I covered pro basketball and, and football and a lot of, and the Reds uh, heavily. And uh, I was ready to come back, but I worked for a year at WHAS Radio. Uh, happened to be the year that the tornado hit. Uh, oh, I remember hearing about that. And the year after that, I uh, was transferred over to television to be a, 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 a real news, news guy. Uh, but they sent me out one day to do a feature and the feature went so well that uh, it just caught on. And pretty soon I was doing features all the time. We called it on the road at that time, you know, Charles Corral who worked for CBS. He had a show called On the Road for CBS and it was just immensely popular. And we were a CBS affiliate, WHAS was at that time. Uh-huh. They're not now, but uh, they gave us permission to use On the Road for our program like his. And uh, it caught on uh, and just was really a, a good ratings getter for the station. And uh, 
I just uh, kind of, that's the way it, it developed. I was doing, <laughs> I, I, I would do anything that I thought people would find interesting as conversation at the breakfast table, you know? Gotcha, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense, but anything sure. that I thought would stick. I did a story about a little boy down in Casey County who made sounds like a chainsaw. And, oh, uh, neat. <laughs> That's not something you hear about every day. He would try to crank the chainsaw and it, would, uh, it wouldn't start but he could make it sputter like it was wanting to start. And I, I went down, we did the story and I, his name was Homer Luster the third. I'll never forget it. His school bus driver had told me about him. Homer I Luster the third. We, we took Homer out to, he was just little, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe in, I don't know, maybe third grade or some fourth, something like that. And we took him and I said, uh, and of course he didn't have even a toy chainsaw. He just had an imaginary chainsaw. And uh, I said, show us how it works. So he cranked it a few times and we, <laughs> this, this is the kind of stuff I did. We got the, uh, the, the picture of the tree actually being cut with the wood chips flying out. And we had him pretend he was sawing a tree, you know, in our shot. So you had his sound effects. <laughs> at, the, at the end, yeah, we had him doing the, the chainsaw. At the end, we saw this huge tree topple over. And um, people love stuff like that. Uh, That's and, funny. And um, I would do old men uh, playing pool and their conversations with each other. I would uh, just anything that I thought, I would do stories about dogs. I did a story about a pig one time that was raised with some puppies and he thought he was a dog and he would chase cars as they came uh, along the road. A car chasing pig. Yeah, he thought he was a dog. But, you know, um, people, I guess, right at that time were kind of hungry. They'd been through Watergate and all that. I think they were hungry for something down home and funny and folksy and yeah. and I, uh, I managed to I managed to find people who were good storytellers and who didn't mind to be on TV. And I would do stories about children playing in a, a, a creek, you know, out in the country. Oh, um, awesome, and, yeah. Just uh... crawdads. I would just, uh, anything that I thought, I would do a story about a box turtle trying to get across the road. Um, there you go. <laughs> Uh, and, and 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 some someone would like it. I did some bigger stories too. I did some, you know, stories about uh, when John Wayne came to to Louisville. I, I I got him to agree to. It was for the Pegasus Parade. I got him to agree to give me. Uh, I went down the street getting everyone to do their John Wayne impersonation. You know, one oh, line. <laughs> And the last person I came to, I didn't introduce him. I just asked him to do it and he did it. Of course, he didn't have his hat on, I don't think, but he did his John Wayne impersonation. And I said, I closed it out and said, that last guy was good, but he's no John Wayne. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You know, people just like, they just like the, uh, the way we approach things and, and it just grew and grew and it got to be syndicated over, uh, Tennessee and part of Ohio and uh, all Kentucky. 
the KET carried it and maybe stations in Bowling Green and stations in Nashville and Chattanooga. And, you know, we, right. we got to where we were traveling all, all over those uh, areas too. Hey, so as your stations uh, mounted and grew in number, you started covering more territory. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> On the road and stuff. And it was a great way to lighten up a newscast that might have been, you know, somewhat saddening, maybe a little depressing otherwise. So. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so, we usually close the, close the newscast out with that. And, of course, that was before we had 24-hour news. So, right. Uh, you know, cable news. So, you know, people kind of could get, uh, they, they could look forward to something at the end of that. Uh, oh, sure. It was a, a, <laughs> a good note to end on. Now, uh, in 1979, Byron, you became the Kentucky columnist for the Louisville Courier-Journal, and that's a post that you held for uh, nearly three decades. So uh, tell us about the the uh, work that this position entailed and talk about the, the ways in which this role changed and evolved over the course of your tenure. Well, it, 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 it was, uh, of course, a natural outgrowth of the WHAS television series. Yeah, uh, similar in nature. Never, I would never have been considered for that job, never having written anything for a newspaper even in high school, had I not uh, been successful with the television series. Right. Uh, Joe Creason had, uh, had the, uh, he was a, a well-known columnist, the Kentucky columnist for the Courier-Journal. He'd had a heart attack and it, it, it was fatal. Uh, and oh, uh, a couple of people had tried to handle that column, but they hadn't stuck with it. And um, the paper uh, offered, I asked about the job and they, they gave it to me. And, Sweet. Uh, so that's the way it started. And it was really just an outgrowth of, it, it was a continuum really of the same kind of stuff I'd been doing for television, except a little more, uh, a little, little more straight and uh, you know, adapted for print, of course. Uh, I started out with 18 column inches to fill. I think they're about five lines to a column inch and we could say six or seven words to a line. So you can figure out from that what I had to write. And oh, over, uh -huh. time, over time, you asked how it changed. Over time, that shrunk uh, oh. from something on the, the Kentucky, on B1 on the Kentucky page from something about the size of the top of a shoebox uh, down oh. to, you know, a strip down the side, one column wide. <laughs> you know. So well, you were... There were times when I had the whole page. I would, there were times when I took the pictures and wrote the text for the whole B1 of Courier Journal. And I, I shot my own uh, photos uh, primarily. Almost. See, so it was a, it was a one man show pretty much. Yeah. Yes, because I went places that they just couldn't afford to have a photographer go to all these. And they expected me to, to visit every county and write stories and send pictures from there. And that was in the days before we could uh, send stuff by computer. So I had to find a great, I, I was shooting film, 35 millimeter film, and I had to find a bus station to ship the film back to Louisville. <laughs> oh goodness, those were the days. <laughs> those were the days. 
Oh, goodness. So you have been to all 120 counties then. Oh, repeatedly. Repeatedly. <laughs> yes, indeed. And, you know, they was... More than they wanted me to be there. Oh, I don't believe that. <laughs> I even did a story of the about the goat on top of the Masonic Lodge at Dundee. The goat on top of the Masonic Lodge in Dundee. Right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I don't know if it's still there. But, uh, I'm going to have to see if I can't find that. <laughs> I went over. Once in a while, I would cross the borders. I would go, you know, to Cave Rock, Illinois, and write about the Hart brothers uh, having a hideout over there and uh, robbing people who came down the river. You know, I prowled around a good bit down there. Absolutely. <laughs> East, west, north, south, you were there. Now, you uh, were privileged also to host the first five seasons of KET's ever-popular Kentucky Life program, which was later hosted by Dave Shuff, but it's now hosted by Mr. Doug Flynn. But uh, anyhow, what are your most cherished memories from those Kentucky Life days, and uh, what do you miss most about that gig? Well, uh, you know, it was funny about that, uh, about hosting that Kentucky Life program because I, it was really an overlapping thing for me because I was still writing uh, my columns for the Courier Journal three a week. Right. Uh, still shooting all that stuff and I had to be in every county. So a lot of times uh, I would meet the Kentucky Life crew somewhere and shoot a little segment for them. And then I'd come back later and do the studio introductions to those pieces. We had about probably four or five uh, field producers with videographers who would go out and do individual segments. I was there for some of those segments and some of them I just introduced in the studio. So you don't get uh, it wasn't the way Dave Shuppet did it, where Dave was with the, with them all the time, and that's what I needed to be doing. But uh, there were still uh, pieces that stuck with me. I did we did all the way across Kentucky two or three times, from you know all the way from Majestic to the Mississippi. We said we called it. Oh, I like it. Eighty and uh, all over the state stopping. I, I loved that um, Hensley settlement at Middlesboro where uh, this one family named Hensley settled on top of this mountain and lived there as a as a self-sufficient community for years at their own school and their own little farms and uh, getting to go up there and walk down uh, beside the split rail fences that they erected and they've kept everything like the Hensleys left it. And uh, being able to do that and, and tell people the history of that place and be a part of the filming for KET were uh, those kinds of things are unforgettable to me. And standing beside the, the Mississippi uh, at sunset, closing out a half hour show uh, or, or, well, it was an hour special, or maybe more than that, that we had done for the KET telephone thing. Um, going to Real Foot Lake and riding, uh, you know, with, with one of the 
fishermen down there in one of those stump jumpers. Uh, stump jumpers. Yeah, stump jumpers. They got a plate on the little motor on the back that when they run across a cypress uh, stump or log, it will skid right over it and uh, won't hurt your propeller. Um, oh. I, I interviewed the guy who's been building those for years, Dale Calhoun up at Real Foot Lake, down at Real Foot Lake. And just those things are snapshots to me that come floating back when you ask me about those kinds of things. And, oh yeah, those. <laughs> I sat those. in front of a cabin uh, down in Renfro Valley and interviewed Tom T. Hall for a good while. Oh, and he just passed away a few months ago. He just passed away. A great guy, uh, uh, you know, loved Kentucky the way we do. And uh, there's so many, I talk with, uh, I like to talk with the parents of, of people who are famous. I, I, I interviewed Ricky Skaggs family, his parents up at Blaine. Uh, oh, I think I did that for the newspaper. But stuff like that sort of uh, co-mingled with what I was doing with KET and the Courier Journal. And so there's so many spots like that that I, that I can go back to. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, those are a lot of, a lot of great things to look back on. Now, I remember the episode um, at Christmas, well, there might have been more than one Christmas episodes where you would sit um, with a bunch of school age kids and read the Christmas story. Oh, yeah. That was <laughs> at Bardstown. Was that at Bardstown? That <laughs> was at Bard. Well, one of them. And then uh, I did another one uh, for uh, uh, Tim Farmer's uh, program with. Oh, Tim, Tim Farmer's Country Kitchen? Yeah, Kentucky Field. Or Kentucky Field at the time, yeah. Year for him. I, w I, was, uh, I was on that show a number of times. And uh, uh, in fact, they talked to me about taking that, hosting that show. I wouldn't have been a good host of this show. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you would. <laughs> I would. Uh, I'm, I'm an outdoorsman, but that not that much of an outdoorsman. Tim Farmer's been great. He he was great on that show, and and Chad Miles is great on it too. So. But uh, yeah, things like that. I remember. I know what you're talking about. I was in Bardstown when I read that Christmas story to the kids. Shortly following your retirement, Byron, from the Courier Journal, you became the back page columnist for Kentucky Living Magazine, and you faithfully contributed in this capacity ever since. So discuss, if you would, the uh, content and writing style that you strive to convey in Kentucky Living, as well as uh, your most rewarding aspects of this assignment. Well, I think it's just... Um... I think I'm, we're doing the same thing. You and I are doing the same thing. It's, it's the focus on Kentucky and Kentuckians. People sure. who, uh, a good story from uh, the, we want to showcase Kentucky's community life. We are not in the bright lights necessarily. We, we like to write stories about uh, everyday Kentuckians who are making a difference, who, are, who have, something very interesting to uh, share with the rest of us. Uh, I just finished writing a story. Well, it was in this month's Kentucky Living about uh, the woman who uh, had thrown a bottle into the Ohio River in 1921. And uh, the man who found it a hundred and some miles downstream in Trimble County 
he had a farm next to the river and he was fishing in the river that day and he saw this bottle with a message in it with her name and address oh my Didn't goodness phones at that time but uh his brother had lost his wife and was trying to raise four little children and he gave this uh he gave this message to his brother and they got together uh loved each other married and were married for 50 some years and raised those four children and one of their own uh as a happy family what a cool story and uh if you find those kinds of stories um you know they touch people uh i i, I also wrote about uh this kind of the serendipity stuff uh, not all my stories are like these, but I, I, I love the one from the couple down in uh, Spencer County. Um, she was working, she was from Missouri. She's working at a, a sewing factory somewhere in Missouri that made men's pants and clothing. Oh, uh-huh. But this was back many, many years ago also. She had put her name and address in the pocket of one of these pairs of pants, this this girl had. <laughs> he, oh my goodness! Yeah, you know the rest. He bought this pair of pants and wrote to her, and she came. They met. She came on a train, and they met and married and lived on a farm in Spencer County uh, for See? many many years. Raising <laughs> children, and uh, they both uh, they haven't been gone very long. They were, they both lived uh, a rich a long while. Movie. See, stuff like that doesn't just happen in the movies, does it? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, uh, but that's, uh, you know, and then I, I, I kind of write some, I'll write some heartwarming stories. I write some nostalgia. I write, I'll write about children. I'll write about uh, this month coming out. It's going to be about the Christmas mail order catalogs that used to be such a popular uh, uh arrival in the mailboxes around kentucky oh yeah uh, that'll be a that'll be a real nice flashback for people now uh do you still work the road a lot like you used to or do you stay home more now i'm staying home more now because of uh the situation for one with the pandemic well and, sure uh two uh we don't use photos with my column in the back page of the kentucky living we have an artist who does illustrations for those columns. I see. So you're mainly <laughs> you're mainly just in charge of the wording. <laughs> I can, yeah, I can. Uh, I can. Uh, if if I can get something uh, long distance uh, without going there, I will. But I still do travel, uh, and I will go to you know I'll go to Western Kentucky or anywhere if there's a story there. Yeah, <laughs> if the occasion calls for it. Well, that's that's great to hear. Now, um, while reading a little bit about your background, Byron, I uncovered uh, a few of the quirky but extremely interesting <laughs> topics that uh, you featured as a journalist slash broadcaster. And if you wouldn't mind, I'd like for you to tell me what you remember about uh, each of these fascinating individuals that you've profiled and why don't let's start with um, a hubcap collector somewhere between Stanford and Pulaski County. Well uh, yes I remember him his name was his last name was Wright. He right. was a, 
yeah, he was a he was a nice guy. He uh, was um, uh, he was a an Air Force veteran. Uh, he was um, nice looking guy, uh, and he had how he got. I don't remember now how he got started with collecting those hubcaps, unless he lived, I think, at a place where a lot of them came off the cars when they went by. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd that's just my, keep them and collect them. That's my recollection. He would put them up on the side of his little, he had a little building out near the highway. He'd put those, hang them up there. And a lot of times the person who had lost it would come back, you know, looking for it, he'd have it. But then people got to buying them because they needed one of those like that. So he had a whole uh, inventory, but it was, he was like me, he wasn't very well organized. He just had a lot of hubcaps hanging around. And, <laughs> and that was, that was what I remember about him. That's neat. And some people claimed them, but uh, some, some he got to keep. I, actually yeah. a lot he got to keep. <laughs> yeah. I think he probably sold a few, but he was just, he, he had retired from the Air Force. And I think he just, want, he enjoyed having something to do. Oh, and that gave him a, a hobby to collect, collect yeah. those hubcaps. Now, um, yeah. there was also a uh, slingshot target shooter. Now, you mentioned to me before we started this uh, little chat here that there's uh, another story about a slingshot target shooter on YouTube uh, by another guy that you sometimes get credit for. But you covered you covered a number of other... Uh, I, had, uh, I know I had at least... Uh, two slingshot artists and I think one of them did uh, at, uh, I think he could throw a can up and hit it uh, but it seems to me like um, um, and I don't know where that was I don't know where I know I did one bunch of guys who were hunting with slingshots in Greene County and after we did this they were rabbit hunting and after we did the story the game warden called and said, you know, that's illegal, don't you? <laughs> we, we had filmed it. Anyway, uh, so we apologized and we didn't kill any rabbits anyway. But, right. Uh, but, <laughs> oh, uh, gosh. That, that, that one, that, that guy that was such a marksman with slingshots, uh, here's the funny thing about those stories. Even if it's on YouTube and someone sees it or they used to see a good story on television, like that a lot of people thought i had done it and i got to where i just i didn't try to change their mind i just let them you know <laughs> just let them roll with it <laughs> they said hey i saw that story you did you didn't yell at me across the street hey i love that story you did the other night i just say thank you and go on it's <laughs> like so, oh great yeah that's yeah. <laughs> quite all right never never hurts to take credit and there was also a story that um I uh, read a little bit about that she did on a uh, incredibly skilled mushroom hunter. Do you remember that? Yeah, um, I have done mush. Uh, again, I've done several mushroom hunters, the morels, you know. Uh, oh, uh huh. And, and the uh, I remember one of them was uh, sort of centered in Fleming County, but I never got to see the spot because the guy demanded that if I, he showed me, he showed me me the mushrooms told me all about how to find them and how to dig them and what they were and how to cook them and all that but he said i can't take you in because i'd have to blindfold you if you want to go i'll have to blindfold you all the way up there <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> oh. oh 
goodness. So, you know, that that's a story of my life, stuff like that. Of course, I um, love it. Yeah, <laughs> gives, you, gives you good stories to tell anyhow. Yeah, because that, be that becomes a story then. Exactly. <laughs> gives you material to work with. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Now, uh, it's no secret that the uh, Commonwealth is filled with fabulous local restaurants featuring a variety of signature specialties. So why don't you fill us in, sir, on the uh, most enjoyable dining experiences uh, that you've had at Kentucky restaurants and talk about the, the unique facets of these establishments. All right. I, I, you know, that's like picking. Um, I learned a long time ago not to try to judge a baby contest. I, I, I was in a baby contest that judge, I was judging one year and there were 77 babies in it. That's kind of the same way with picking the restaurants in Kentucky. Um, That's true, there's know, a ton. I used to like, and I think this restaurant's gone, so I can certainly, nobody will complain about this. I used to love the Diamond Restaurant down at, I think it was close to Katawa. On the Diamond the Restaurant. Yeah, and they sold uh, Fiddler Catfish, they, they fried, which was about a foot long. The best, oh my goodness, that was the best place to eat. And then Noth's Barbecue, K-N-O-T-H. Oh, yeah, I featured them on barbecue. the show before, as a matter of fact. Isn't that good? That's good it's stuff. Good. That's good eating. I'm, I'm partial to, of course, restaurants that have a story behind them. The, the Lighthouse down at Sulphur. Um, here's, here's one that I like. Um, well, the bread of life, of course, in Casey County, that's the one that's operated by the people who take in the, you know, the homeless children and things. Uh, oh, yeah, and that's a neat concept. That, that's a neat, neat restaurant, too. Um, the light, let's see, Bailey's uh, Tire Center up in Hazard. It's, Bailey's it's gone Tire off. Center. <laughs> but it used to be, it used to be one of my favorite places to eat because in one side of it, they had a little counter and they cooked hamburgers and stuff in there. And Mrs. Bailey made pies and she made the best pies. The meringue would be, oh, mm. she made the best butterscotch pies and people would come in there from everywhere to eat. Of course, you know, patties in the land between the lakes and uh, Weaver's up at London, Weaver's hot dogs and they got secret recipes for the sauce, for the chili. Oh, and sure. That's, an, that's another thing. I'm a, I'm a sucker for any place to eat that's got a secret, that's got secret stuff, you know. Oh, yeah. Secret yeah. recipe, you know, yeah. anything secret. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, I know that um, not long ago in one of your columns, as a matter of fact, you featured a place that uh, I've also featured on my show. It's in, uh, it's right on the Henry Trimble County line, Rallet's Milkhouse Creamery. That's right. Rowlett's Milk House Creamery. They make their own ice cream. They make their own butter and cheese. And, and that's a good, uh, that's a good stop. Good place. Yeah. <laughs> I've been there once myself and loved it. Now I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by this Bailey Tire Center. So here we had Miss Bailey making the pies and stuff. And the that's right. And they'd be changing the tire. You could see them. You could sit there and watch them change the tire, but you were in the same same one side of the building, one side of the little, it was like a service station. Then I like our best restaurant over at Smithfield in uh, Henry County. Uh, I eat there a good bit. Uh, our best restaurant. Just uh, pork chops and cornbread and soup beans. And now oh, they've got a full, full menu, but uh, 
they started out in a little kind of a shack almost, and now it's grown into, they occupy the old mill, the old brisk mill there, part of, part of the old warehouse of the mill. And, oh, neat. Uh, so I'm that's gonna... stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Learned it all over the state. Yeah, if anything with a lot of history and a lot of secrets, that's right, that's right up our alley, both of us. Now, uh, from musicians to actors to athletes, the, the Bluegrass State has produced a, a number of notable celebrities, and you touched on a few of them a few minutes ago, but share with us uh, some of your fondest memories of uh, interacting with the prominent Kentucky figures and uh, explain what made these conversations so special in your mind. Oh, mercy. I don't know. I, you know, I've interviewed Loretta Lynn and oh, coal miner's daughter. Yeah. And uh, when Bess Parker, uh, the, who was on, who was Daniel Boone on television way back years ago, uh, he, he came here thinking about building um, a whole theme park. I interviewed him. I interviewed you. Did you ever watch the Virginian on a uh, cowboy shows? The Virginian. Uh, I've heard. I've heard of the Virginian. Never watched it. <laughs> James Drury has relatives here. The, a lot of these people um, that were people that had, you know, relatives here. Now I have never interviewed. Um, let's see. Then think of this actress's name. Popular now. Uh, Lawrence, what's her name? Lawrence. Oh gosh, I think I know who you're talking about, but the first name escapes me too. About. You know who I'm talking about. Anyway, her mother was a cheerleader at U of L, and her grandfather was a really good player at UK basketball player. Uh, oh, so he split family there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Adolph Rupp, uh, King Kelly Coleman. Uh, you know, oh, those are great. Those are great Lester. people. Great subjects. You know, John Friedman over at Owensboro worked as an assistant to the uh, to the uh, costume designer for Gone with the Wind. And oh, interesting. John, John sent scraps from everybody's costume to his mother back in Owensboro, and she made a Gone with the Wind quilt. When I interviewed John about his work, he gave me pieces of Vivian Lee's dress and other pieces. And uh, that's the kind of stuff that I, you know, pretty well did. Uh, did. Of course, I've, I've met Muhammad Ali and I've met some of the great athletes and basketball players and so forth, but, um, and yeah. some actors and actresses, but uh, the ones I remembered were the interesting uh, ones pretty much. Yeah, the ones with a with a good story. Of course, you mentioned Tom T. Hall, and there were a ton of great Kentucky uh, country music artists uh, born and raised here. Now, uh, did, did you ever get to meet Keith Whitley before he passed? I never met Keith Whitley. I sure didn't, but he was he was one of my favorites. He was a good one. Yeah, he <laughs> he had a lot of great hits in a short amount of time, and he just he just left us all too yeah. soon. Yeah. Now, um, Joe B. Hall, he would have been a, a great one. Did you ever get to talk to him? Of course, I know Joe B. Yes, I know Joe B. And I've met him and talked with him. I don't know that I ever wrote a story about him, but uh, I know him pretty well. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, he'd be a great one. I, I know he's uh, in a, a nursing home now, I believe, but he's still hanging yeah, in there. Yeah. 
And yes, uh, he is. I believe he's in his early 90s at this point. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> we love you, Joe B. Hall. Now, uh, in addition to your other um, previously discussed endeavors, you have proudly authored three fascinating books, Byron, about your countless adventures across Kentucky. So if you would, why don't you give us the, the titles of these books and tell us a little bit about what we can expect from them. Well, um, let's see. Uh, the first one was Crawford's Journal. It goes back to the 80s. The second one was Kentucky Stories in the 90s. And the last one was uh, Kentucky Footnotes. And um, they're just really uh, uh, compilations of my column in, in the Courier Journal um, of some of the better columns. Uh, of course, I've done about 5,000, I've done more than 5,000. So uh, you can imagine picking uh, three or 400 out of 5,000 is not, not very easy. And I missed a lot of good columns in there, but uh, that's what that's <laughs> you can't I include think. them all can you <laughs> no uh the uh, first book starts out with uh a girl from down in um butler let's see butler county i believe um and she threw she threw a bottle into the i don't know if i'm hung up on these bottles messages in a bottle today i'm sorry no, that's, uh, in, <laughs> it's interesting. The, I love it. I'm, in, I'm into the literary. Uh, but her name's Gina Joe. I think it was Tynes or Hawker. She threw a bottle with a message in it into the surf at, I think it was Myrtle Beach. He came back a few years later, maybe three years later, and some um, count from um, Germany had found it while fishing, deep sea fishing off the coast of Africa. Oh, and, well, that auto went a long way. And, and uh, we, uh, we got in touch with someone here who could correspond with him. And he corresponded, sent the bottle back to her. And he said when he caught, it was in the, it was in the stomach of a shark. Oh my goodness. How he it. And he said there was also a man's wristwatch in there, and I don't know what else oh, in the stomach wild. of the shark, but it made a heck of a. That's the first story in the first book that I wrote. And, well, I can uh, see why that would stand that, out. <laughs> that gives you a little preview of what uh, you know what's in there. Um, I, I wrote one story about one of your uh, Henderson Countyans. Um, she, it was a couple. She was on the island of Nagasaki when the bomb was dropped in the oh, war. Oh, really? She worked at the Mitsubishi plant, which was the target, and she was on her way to work. But she had been, um, she wasn't feeling well that day and somehow got turned around and uh, she survived the bombing and she married an Air Force guy, an American Air Force guy, who uh, later owned a farm in Henderson County. Oh and, my gosh. Uh, 
and they lived awesome. they lived in Henderson County for the rest of she just passed away well I think she might have died before he did but they uh, they lived there for a long time oh and, that's uh, a that's a heck of a story she and then I did a story about your down in Henderson County about the uh, oral history project at the school uh, school class down there conducts which is a fantastic project you know, oh yeah yeah i know what you're talking about yeah that's a, a very nice way to observe and honor history that they partake yeah. in so uh great great subject there but uh i'm sure there's still copies of all of those three books lurking out there so yeah i think uh kentucky uh footnotes is probably still available on well well i think you can get any of them on amazon but uh I think that the first two are probably out of print now, Kentucky Stories and uh, Crawford's Journal. They are hardbacks. Uh, and then uh, I think you could still find Kentucky footnotes, but you can order them from eBay or from Amazon and usually get um, usually get a better price on them on eBay than you, you know. Sure. Than, yes, than indeed. You could, so, you so. They vary so. in price. Absolutely, yeah. They'll, of course, they'll they'll vary in price, but uh, get your hands on those books, folks. You definitely won't be disappointed. Well, uh, Byron, you've been great. I've sure enjoyed our conversation. Now, last but not least, I know that you visited every corner of the Commonwealth, from the cornfields to the mountains, and you're quite familiar with all that our state has to offer. So, if you had to relocate to an area of Kentucky in which you've never lived, where would you wish to settle, sir, and why? Well, first, I'd try to find a place that would have me. <laughs> in other words, every place. <laughs> I don't, you know, I think, uh, of course, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to beat uh, the heart of the bluegrass region because it's just so pretty. Uh, and that would be in the, you know, in the horse country, even though I'm not a horse person necessarily, uh, that's pretty, but I always thought that one of my favorite stretches was along, uh, the Southern edge of the state down along highway 80 between, um, between maybe around Columbia below between Somerset and Columbia, somewhere in there. I like that, the lay of the land down there. I also like uh, the purchase area. Uh, okay, I like western part of the state. I like that. I like the western part of the state. And um, this this part of the state has been uh, uh, pretty pretty nice. I like I like it here. Uh, I've got a little place down in Anderson County, uh, about twenty eight acres, and that's along the river. Oh, cool. And it it would be farmland. I'll say that. There you go. Yeah, it somewhere was, out in the country. It's in the rural, rural Kentucky. Yeah. Boy, I've had a blast. I hope you have. It's been really fun. It's been <laughs> great. Well, thank you a lot, sir. And we'll do this again sometime. Come up sometime and we'll find one of those. Bailey's is not there making pies, Bailey's Tire Center anymore, but we'll find a place up there. Oh, darn. <laughs> yes, I know well, we definitely good. will. Byron's the best. And you know, that was but a mere fraction 
of the stories we could have told centered around his many years of in-depth exploration and featuring notable people and topics across the Commonwealth. But that's exactly why you need to get your hands on Byron Crawford's three books, Crawford's Journal, Kentucky Stories, and Kentucky Footnotes. They're all still out there, at least a few copies, so take any means necessary to snag yours and enhance your knowledge and appreciation of our great state. Boy, it was sure a pleasure visiting with Byron Crawford. We're definitely going to have to do it again down the road, even if it's not at Bailey's Tire Center in Hazard. Gosh, it breaks my heart that place is no longer in existence. But I'll get over it. Now, another thing you need to do, guys and gals, is subscribe to Kentucky Living Magazine because Byron Crawford faithfully contributes on a monthly basis and I will include the link in my show notes that you need to use to subscribe so that you don't miss any of Byron Crawford's features or the other insightful information that you gain on a monthly basis from Kentucky Living Magazine, okay? Now, before we part ways, of course, I have the all-important answer to this week's Bluegrass Brain Buster, which we shared with you at the beginning of the show. It's a two-parter. Whether you realize it or not, the oldest vice president in our nation's history is from Kentucky originally. And I wanted to know who he was and where he was born. Your answer? His name was Alvin W. Barkley. Yes, indeed. Alvin W. Barkley, our nation's oldest vice president today, he was born in the unincorporated Graves County community of Lowe's. L-O-W-E-S, Lowe's, Kentucky, in Graves County, and he served as vice president during the Harry S. Truman administration between 1949 and 1953. Mr. Barkley was 71 years old when he assumed the role of vice president. Again, Alvin W. Barkley from Lowe's, Kentucky, originally in Graves County. He was our nation's oldest Vice President to date, and I wonder if anybody in Lowe's improves home improvement. <laughs> I'm sure at least a few of them do in that unincorporated community. But anyway, that's your answer to the Bluegrass Brain Buster. Come on back for another one next week. Our next show will be presented to you on December the 8th. Good Lord willing and the creep don't rise. Between now and then, you know how to touch base with me. Also, take advantage of the four podcast directories, which we are a part of, including Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Verbal. You can listen to and subscribe to the show absolutely free of charge through any or all of these outlets, plus the Blabbing in the Bluegrass Facebook page, which contains all of our previous episodes. So until we meet again, your assignment is the same as per usual. Keep laughing, keep smiling, and keep on laughing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste.